Podcast 183, Andrew Scambetti from Incognito Films. What's the name of the project, Andrew? Alive 96. Alive 96. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Hello, baby. The Pod Father. What is up? Nothing too much. Welcome back to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And today we have Andrew Scambetti. And I'm going to call you a cub reporter. No, no, that's not that's not prestigious enough. You're you're not a mini podcaster. Damn it, you're just part of the staff now. <laughs> listen, that's a good. Like, listen, I don't know if I'm being inducted or indicted into the staff. There you go. I don't know if it's a good, but I, I've been with you for a long time. We've been friends a long time. I, I've been on the show a bunch of times, and I've listened almost. I've listened to almost every single show more than once. So to be included in such a small uh, group and, and to be included in such a group, it, it's it really is an honor. You know, we talked off air a little bit that this is the first show and this is this is always the one that I go back to. You know, when there wasn't a Kiss podcast, this was the one. I remember that first episode with you and Gary and you it might have been you, Gary, and it might have been uh, the other guy that I can't remember his Ferk. name. Ferk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I apologize about that just because he hasn't been on it a while where um, you guys were talking about the interview from New York City, February 1977. That was like, hey, this is. This is, you know, a taste of what this is going to be. And I've been with you guys ever since. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad to have you here. And once again, you have joined us. And for those who are uh, slow on the upkeep, if you will, you have been doing some great stuff. You, you, you've been a pretty good force for good in the KISS community, you know, along with people like Julian Gill and others that, that just really spend a lot of time and bring some really cool stuff out, right? Whether it's Julian with his book or Matt Porter with the the Kiss Room and all the other Kiss podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, there's just such a vibrant fan community for this band. And, you know, it's always amazing when you talk to people that aren't necessarily Kiss fans and they do a little exploration into Kiss podcasts and they see like 512 and then like some bands don't have any. Right, they're always amazed by the fact that Kiss fans are so passionate, so into it, so vocal, and it's just a fantastic thing. But you have been making these great—I don't know what we want to call them. They're Kiss concerts. They're reimagined Kiss concerts. They're reimagined Kiss specials. They're all sorts of different things. But you've been—you had a documentary that just came out. I want you to run through each one of your films, and we'll talk about your new one, Alive '96. Well, I just I typically call them just fan films. And the reason why I call them fan films is because I never want to take away from those great official releases. These are works by the fans. So I say these are fan films because a lot of them are just basically an amalgamation of different official releases, whether it be bonus discs or concert releases. So uh, the first one I did way back in 2018 was The Greatest Show on Earth, which was the movie that brought Kiss Alive 2 to life. It was Kiss's answer to The Song Remains the Same. It was the theatrical movie that should have came out instead of Phantom. Then in June 2019, I did the TV special that should have came out in 1976 called Kiss at Midnight. This was a 30-minute special hosted by, well, I say hosted, but it was uh, narrated by the great Allison Steele. There was an old radio show that I was able to string together and make it all sound like a, a cool TV special with vintage commercials included. So it's a cool experience if you haven't checked it out. Uh, then I did um, a just a, a quick little uh, audio syncing of the Lost Alive 2 and some of the Tokyo footage called A Rock and Roll Party with Kiss. That was last December I did that one. And then this past May I released One Last Time, which was kind of my journey along the end of the road tour. And that was the most successful one, hands down. 360,000 views and in just counting. a couple of months and counting and counting. And uh, it, it's been, it's been incredible. So over those four little projects, um, I've basically garnered almost a million views on, on my kiss channel. You can catch, you can view all my films on YouTube, greatest show on earth fan films at YouTube. 
And uh, The Greatest Show on Earth, because it uses the audio from Alive 2, you got to go to Vimeo to look at that one. But it's still up there. And that these are all for free, that you can stream them anytime you want. And then it takes us to number five, which is Alive 96, which uh, we'll talk about you know, in, in detail here. It's the VHS tape, the live concert experience that we should have gotten in early 1997 that commemorated the Great Reunion Tour. So that's in a nutshell what I've been up to. Before we really get into it, we want to talk about Click T. Anybody who's been listening to the podcast for the last year or so know that we've been teaming up with Click T Shop, and they've been doing some really cool Kiss-themed shirts, and they are doing an Alive 96 Kiss-themed shirt, and you can get it wall art, you can get a mug, you can get anything. You can get a mask for COVID, anything. You can get all that stuff <laughs> so with Alive they, uh... 96 on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've partnered with Click T Shop. So if you log on to Click T Shop, you can get uh, the Alive 96 collection, which is going to be a men's shirt, a women's shirt, a coffee mug, a tumbler, and then there's these great fine art prints that that Ed has done. So uh, you can go in and, and check those out. And uh, you know, um, nobody's making a, a ton of money off of these. This isn't a, a money making scheme. This is just something that's cool and uh, and really, really, uh, really, really cool. I mean, I can't wait to wear my. A live '96 shirt. That'll be fantastic. Click T when you want a T-shirt. Click T accessories too. Click T any way you want it now at ClickTShop.com. Now, I'm looking at an ad right now that says, You wanted the best and you got it. Bring the summer's hottest concert home. Not available on VHS starting <laughs> December 11th on YouTube. Yeah, so that was just, you know, where we're just about two weeks away from the release of that. And usually what I like to do is I just like to release these fun little images, these fun little things that kind of get you psyched up for the release. It's either going to be like a poster or a social media image. You know, I got a countdown all getting ready to go little clips here and there. So what I did this past weekend is I, I made this little ad that kind of looked like something you would see in, in the newspaper or something that you would look at maybe, uh, you know, if you're looking at a record town, you know, uh, advertisement. Or maybe you open up Metal Edge. Open it, yeah, you open up something and then you just see that. So obviously uh, VHS is no longer being made. So I thought it would be cool if I made the ad for the VHS tape that never was. And I made it tongue-in-cheek where it said, not available on VHS starting December 11th. So don't worry, there's not going to be a VHS put out there. It's mm -hmm. just something fun and something I wanted some people to look at and be like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool. And but, it is but coming the box December art 11th. says hi-fi stereo, so that's, that's legit, right? No. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is that this is a good way to let people know, hey, check out clicktshop.com. Ed does some great stuff. You can get some podcast and Kiss Room stuff over there as well. So head on over there and get some cool stuff. Maybe a, a Live 96 print or poster or T-shirt, something, and you can watch it. You can wear it and watch it on December 11th when this appears. But we mentioned that it's not available on VHS. It's not going to be available on DVD or Blu-ray <laughs> or anything else. None of this, none of these fan films... If anyone's trying to sell you one, or if you see one for sale somewhere on the internet, they're actually stealing from Andrew and you and everybody else. So yeah. these are not for sale. They are there for you to watch and to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And that's been my mantra since I've put out The Greatest Show on Earth. You know, purchase those official KISS releases. The Kissology series are great. Some great bonus discs and there are some really cool concerts. So... You know, purchase those, and then I, I what I do is I just take clips from those, and I make these new features. So I take stuff that you've already seen, and I make it fresh. I remaster the audio. I do color correction. I do things here and there. I, I just I, I give you a different experience of stuff that you've already seen. So um, if you really want to buy something, you know, make sure you head over to KissOnline.com, purchase something from there, and then stream these for free. They're always going to be free. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Alive 96. Why the reunion? Why do this? Well, there's two reasons why. Well, the first one, we'll get this one out of the way immediately, is the reunion is my favorite time period of this band. I was 10, 11 years old when the reunion happened, 
and it couldn't have happened at a better time. I was at that perfect age where I was already a Kiss fan, but I was finally old enough to understand current events and what was happening currently in the band. Um, when you're a little bit younger than that, you can like the music, but you kind of really don't follow what's happening now. Um, so I was at that age where like, I was seeing Kiss on The Simpsons, and then I was seeing all these things and hearing about Tiger Stadium, and the reunion was literally everywhere. I remember going to a sandwich shop and looking and seeing that there was Kiss on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. So it was one of those things where it was the perfect time for me to become aware of the band. And I always look back on this time very fondly. I got to see the band New Year's Eve, 96, 97 at the Meadowlands Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. And uh, it, it's this is one of those time periods that I look back on fondly. And I have the most great memories from that. It's my favorite time in the band. So I always wanted to do something on the reunion tour. I just didn't know what I can do. I didn't want to make a documentary because there's already that great second coming. So there was no way that I was going to make anything better than that. Or even if I made something as good as that, I would always have to compete with that. And I never really wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, right after The Greatest Show on Earth had come out, it, and if you remember back when I released it, I really didn't tell anybody it was me at first because I didn't know what kind of backlash there was going to be. I didn't know if the lawyers were going to slap me with seasoned assists, which, by the way, they never have. No one has ever stopped me from doing these, mainly because I think I've been so outspoken that I don't do this for money. So someone said when they saw The Greatest Show on Earth, they go, hey, whoever did this should take all of those pro shot shows from the reunion tour and put together something that's a really cool package that shows the entire show. I think what I take away from Kissology Volume 3 is you're watching the Tiger Stadium show. It doesn't look that great. And it's all very close up, all those little pit camera shots. And you don't really get to see the grandiose of the stage. You don't get to see the crowd. You don't see anything except these super close up shots of the band. And it's really dark and it looks green and it sounds bad and all that. So what I wanted to do is I took all those shows and there's 10 different shows in here. I know that there are some, there are little wardrobe changes here and there. or Maybe the makeup isn't exactly the same. That happens on, on all these releases, but... I took these 10 shows and I took the best stuff and I made it feel like one show. I made it feel like if you went to see the band in 96, this is what you would have seen. And and I just wanted to you have to suspend a little bit of disbelief because you you already know, you know, especially these Kiss fans that have been consuming all these concerts for the last 20 years, they they know what's from where. So suspend your disbelief when you put this in. So what you're saying is that Kiss fans go, "Oh yeah, I know this one, right? That sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. So you might have seen this stuff before. Maybe you haven't. But what I wanted to do with this is I wanted to take you back to a time where nothing, nothing else mattered except that Kiss was back. And the reunion was such a great time for so many fans. And so many people got to see the band in makeup for the first time that I just want to take you back to that level of excitement. How excited was the Kiss Army in April of 96 when Kiss jumped on the Intrepid and you know announced the tour? I want to take you back to that. I want to take you back to that moment when Tupac wanted to shock the people. You know, I want to I, I want you to remember those things. And that's what this is about. This is come along with me. Let me take you on a journey. And uh, this is the journey. Y'all down with this? We're gonna try to liven it up. We need something different, something new. We need to shock the people. So let's shock the people. Now you say that there are 10 shows. Which 10 are there? Okay. So the main thing that uh, I use because the show sounded the best was Tiger Stadium. So the, the June show from Detroit Tiger Stadium. I also used... Uh, the Madison Square Garden show from New York City. There's a couple of close-ups that I use from the Weenie Roast, which is Irvine. So all three of those shows came from Kissology. I use uh, some shots from Atlanta, Toledo, Tokyo, Miami, Nürburgring, Germany, which is Rock Am Ring, Donington, and Frankfurt, Germany. And there's also, um, there's also a, a couple little things here and there uh, from shows that I, I don't know where I grabbed them from because I just grabbed them from compilation tapes. But I tried to grab all of the best stuff. So you got 10 shows edited down into one. Now, 
I, I know some of the Kiss fans ended up watching this Tiger Stadium show for the last 25 years. They're like, well, how can you use Tiger Stadium? The band messed up and almost derailed in the middle of Deuce. Well, because I had three shows that sounded as very similarly, those three shows from Kissology, I fixed all those big band mix-ups. So if you watch the Tiger Stadium show on Kissology, the band nearly derails during Deuce. But I went back in and I fixed that. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but you can't tell that I went in and fixed that. Mm. So I bet you, I bet you, you didn't even know that I, I fixed that, or maybe you did. Well, you know, when I watched it because we got to see a screener for it, you know, before the official release on December 11th, and I was like, okay, how's he fucking pulling this shit off? You know, <laughs> what is that? And and because I live with an obsessive Paul fan, she was quick to point out that wait a second, Paul's strap is up, now it's down, it's up, it's down. No, 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 no. What's going on here? But this is nothing that a KISS fan should not be used to, right? Because it's kind of like Ace's Laugh, right? We didn't record Ace's Laugh. It was was a compilation laugh. It was a compilation. Yeah, it was a compilation laugh. No, we wouldn't do that, you know. So, but, uh, you know, we're used to seeing KISS meets the Phantom where Paul's uh, necklace or brooch or whatever the hell that thing is falls and then it's right back up and you know that while he's fighting space monkeys or whatever the hell they were supposed to be where monkeys uh he didn't just fix that in between the the concert there he just you know these are these are how things are done and if you see any concert whether it's kiss symphony where gene's bass inexplicably changes during the middle of the song so you know he didn't like swap it out while the camera wasn't pointed on him uh it's it's nothing that isn't done in almost every legitimate release because uh this is things are doctored things are touched up just like alive itself right uh-huh. Uh-huh. so you kind of are using the template that Kiss has always used a compilation laugh. So it's it's a compilation yeah. uh, video of the reunion tour, and mass yeah. a large word like gymnasium. Yes, it, it's about creating a feeling. It's not necessarily saying that this is paint by numbers. The show that you saw in you know Minneapolis or wherever you saw the band on the tour. It's about remembering all these high points about the show. And, and really presenting the show in a way that's never been done before. The band never kind of stepped back and fixed some of the mistakes that every person in the band made mistakes on that tour. The band never did that. And, and the band never presented the show in, in a way that you could see everything. You know, like I said, they released these shows that were just shot from whatever feed was going to those big video screens that were behind the band. So I wanted to I wanted to use those shots too, but I also wanted to use like some of these grand stage shots. So there was footage that uh, a film crew shot in Miami that I used. There were shots from Japan that that were from from the back. Shots from Frankfurt. Shots from a lot of different shows where you can kind of get the full. You could see how big this show was. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was first reading these magazines and looking at all the stuff, I didn't know that those amps, you know, raised up during the second song i had no idea that happened and if you and if you watch the kissology shows you almost don't see that so i thought it was i I thought it was uh essential to be able to see that part of the show so um where i'm presenting this show like it's never been presented before well let's shock the people why don't we play a song from this and it is the song that you fixed Let's let's play Deuce. Let's play Deuce. All right. All right, Detroit. You wanted the best. You got the best. The hottest band in the world. Kiss.
and this isn't the only song that that I fixed. Almost every song has some sort of fix to it. But this is going to be the big one where if you listen to what happened on Tiger Stadium from Kissology, and then you listen to what happened uh, on Alive 96, you can definitely hear where I fixed it. Mm, Very good. You know, a lot of people think of it as like mistakes were made. But no, that's not true. Sometimes people need to breathe humans need to breathe right yeah, yeah. like if if people listen to podcasts they they don't realize if you have a good editor and you don't hear um that's because someone spent like four hours taking ums out of something <laughs> you know what I mean? but real humans breathe and they um and they make mistakes and they're not metronomes and they're not perfect right but yeah. i don't think any of us listen to kiss alive for on stage perfection. That's what ballet is for. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. is something that is so uh, broken down to the minutiae of things to where everything is a 100% all of the time. I kind of like the fact when Kiss sounds like they're off the rails on the crazy train, if you will. Yeah, it's about creating, it's about creating a memento of the experience. You know, rock and roll isn't meant to be perfect. So um, while I don't want to hear the band completely fall apart, those are things that I fix. But if the band is a little bit loose, that just lets you know that it's live. Now, I mean, that mess up in Deuce, that, that was a huge, a huge, huge, huge mess up where the band almost didn't recover from that. So something like that definitely needs to be fixed. But there are other things here and there where a missed note or, or an off-key vocal, those are okay, my opinion. I only went back and I went and I fixed the biggest things that would cause you to be like, ooh, that was bad. So those are the things that I wanted to fix. But again, this is how Alive got to us. This is how Kiss Alive 2 got to us. I mean, if you listen to Kiss Alive 2, there's like seven Paul Stanley singing backup on Tomorrow and Tonight while he's singing the lead vocal. So it's always been part of the Kiss DNA template, if you will. Yeah. You mentioned how when you were 11 or 10 that you got into KISS. I have to go back to when I turned 11 or so and I first discovered this band. And it was Dressed to Kill was out, Alive was getting ready to come out, and it was such an amazing time. And I, I, I remember the reunion, you know, juxtaposing that experience with this. We went from like, KISS is for kids, KISS is stupid you know, kiss nerd and all this stuff. And then when the reunion happened, I swear to God, everybody that ever said anything bad to me about kiss, I saw them at the show at the gun arena. And I was like, yeah, you were a dick. You were a dick. You don't belong here. You were a dick. You shouldn't be here. This is sacred ground. You are a dick. There were police officers that had kiss makeup on their face. There were restaurants all along that boulevard as you go up to the, the arena. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And there was restaurants all along that. And there was WMMS shirts where the buzzard had the four makeup designs on his face and it was like the world of Kiss. Like you see the second Kiss comic book where they show the land of Kiss or however it would have been, you know, pronounced Kiss, but it was spelled different because it was an alien world that Kiss came from. I'm getting really nerdy and off the beaten path, but <laughs> it, it was it was kind of like living that in Cleveland, Ohio, for me. But it was like that everywhere you went on that tour, especially right. along that summer run. I mean, those uh, those June, July, August, and even September shows, it was mayhem because nobody thought that this was going to happen. I mean, yeah, the wheels started to come off in the 98 during the Psycho Circus tour. So, But that's that's a, that's a subject for another, another podcast. Mm-hmm. But during that, that first summer, those first couple months, it was mayhem. It, it was kiss mania. It was something that only happened maybe back in Australia in 1980 or in Los Angeles in 1977. It was back to this was a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Paul Stanley says it that, you know, he was beside himself because not only was he experiencing it now, but this was the second time that he was experienced in something like that. And, you know, I mentioned like seeing the Dynasty Tour, the Love Gun Tour, Destroyer Tour. It was as close in 1996 when the reunion happened that that it felt 
as close to those shows because as great as the concerts were, whether it was Creatures, Lick It Up, Asylum, you know, whatever, those were all great. And, you know, I still go back to the days of Paul singing, these are my people, this is my crowd. And it was great because they'd turn up the lights and all of us were there. You know what I mean? All the people that love Kiss were there. It was amazing. But the, it was the closest to going back to that time where it seemed like Kiss was this amazing, important thing. So it was, it was definitely an amazing time. I can only, uh, as much as I loved experiencing all of that as an 11-year-old up to now, mm-hmm. I look at what you went through, and that must have been an amazing time, right? You you had the McFarland dolls, the Kiss comics, yeah. everything was coming out. It was it was like yeah. it was like the seventies times ten. Yeah, because the media was on overdrive, even though Kiss was a phenomenon back in seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. You know, take the media focus in the nineties and it was whatever the seventies were times 10, you know, in the seventies, what was there? Three TV channels, four mm-hmm. TV channels, maybe Yep. you focus, you know, back to 96, you had like 80 channels and every news station had something on about kiss. And it was incredible. There wasn't only, you know, five magazines. There were 15 major news publication magazines that were out at the time. And they all had stories on kiss, whether it was guitar world, entertainment weekly Forbes. I mean, it was incredible. I'll tell you a funny story. And while I was making this, and this this whole project took about six months to complete. While I was doing this, I started buying a lot of uh, reunion tour stuff that I didn't have because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's my favorite time. And just I was scrolling through eBay one night, and I found an old scene magazine, you know, from Cleveland. Yeah, uh, from absolutely. July from July '96. I have that. First, well, so this is funny. So I, I get it, and I was like, oh, hey, this is really cool. And I open it up, and it says, Kiss, the greatest show on earth. Yes. And I I was like, that's great, because I I don't know if you know this, but I named the movie because I thought that that's what the backstage passes. I thought an ad said, the greatest show on earth. It was actually the show of shows. So I misremembered the show of shows, and that's how I named the greatest show on earth. That's how I named it. So it does whatever whatever I could find that has that slogan on it with Kiss, I have to get it because to me, I mean, listen, I know it belongs to Ringling Brothers and whatever right. have you, but uh, to me, the greatest show on earth, that's my creation, and and anything that says that with Kiss on it, I have to have it. So when I opened up the the scene newspaper from July '96 and it said that, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. So and I was glad I got it. And it's amazing, you know, you now live in that area. Uh-huh. But Cosmic Comics, 1978, you know, Gene Simmons is in Cosmic Comics and he says, we are the greatest show on earth, you know. Mm-hmm. So Gene always used that as a tagline, if you will. Mm-hmm. But just amazing stuff. Yeah. Now, what was your biggest challenge in taking these 10 shows and putting them together? Because I know that, like, you've got situations where there's lighting, things that are going on and then Paul's makeup might be messed up here, but it's not here. And how did you make all that work? Well, the biggest challenge was first was syncing everything together. And some nights they're playing a little faster. Or some nights they're playing a little slower. So the first thing I did is I got whatever audio I wanted to use from the show. And that was the starting point. So most of the show, most of the audio skeleton comes from Tiger Stadium. Because like I said, uh, to my ears, that show sounded the best as far as sonically we'll get into performances and all that stuff or, or whatever have you later on because you know we fixed all that stuff here so i started with what i thought sounded the best and then i moved on to okay well now what looks the best and what makes sense the most as a show i didn't want one shot you know gene and paul to be sharing the mic and then the very next shot just gene on the mic so i need to make it look like one continuous show so if I showed some a shot of Gene or Paul singing on one microphone together, the next shot better be of Ace or of Peter because I wanted to make it look like that this was one performance. Uh, after I had put everything together, it was about color correcting it all to make it look like it all came from the same night. So um, I didn't even know this, but when I was watching Tiger Stadium, it's got this ugly green tint to it. And 
every time I cut back to it, I was like, that doesn't look like anything else that I have. So I color corrected it to kind of restore all those reds and blues. And when you're watching it, I mean, I know there's going to be little makeup differences and, you know, maybe, you know, Paul's sleeve is up here and down here. But aside from those little things that might go by the average viewer, it looks like it all comes from the same show. And that's because each each little clip was timed in a way that maybe I had to speed it up a little bit or slow it down a little bit. And then after that, it was about, well, how can I make it look like the shot that came before it? So maybe I got to adjust the black here. Maybe I got to change the exposure here. or I got to fix this tint or maybe change the temperature of this shot. So it was about doing that and making it all look like it was one performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's pick another tune. <laughs> pick one where the guys are on fire. Pick one where the guys are on fire. Well, it's got to be Firehouse. Ooh, there you go.
inspired by The Moves Fire Brigade. It is Firehouse, written by Paul Stanley. Now, why'd you pick this song? It was, I don't know, for me, it was one of the ones that I, I really enjoyed um, editing together. And it was one of those songs that I kind of enjoyed when the band played it. Um, everybody knows that the band didn't sound like 1977 Kiss in, in the 90s. But this is this is kind of one of those songs where I thought they kind of had that 70s energy. It's a fun song. It's a fun song. Let's be honest. 70s Kiss didn't sound like 70s Kiss a lot of the time. Meaning that, like, I remember hearing, like, Alive... And then I'd hear a bootleg, early versions of bootlegs, in it, or you'd see them on TV, and they're like playing like "I Want to Rock and Roll All Night" like super fast. Like everybody talks about how like Kiss got really fast when Eric Carr started playing, but if you listen to like uh, Kiss on the the one the People's Choice Award, and they wind up playing uh, "Rock and Roll All Night" or whatever, yeah, 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 it it sounds so fast, you know. And Peter does that all night long, baby. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all but, night mommy yeah so it's it's like uh you know the, the kisses never sounded like Listen, alive kiss all of the never, time kiss has never been a virtuous uh, a, a virtuoso band they've never been a virtuoso band they've if you wanted that you you went and saw rush kiss is a rock and roll band and they just didn't sound the same from night to night they just didn't mm-hmm but see, it's weird because there's like, I remember seeing Bob Seeger in the Silver Bullet Band and they sounded so much like the album that I remember turning to my uncle going, we could have stayed home. The same with the Eagles. I mean, it sounds so much like the album, but you want some sort of spontaneity. Like, for example, if I've seen Pink Floyd, they sound great. They sound exactly like the album, but there's an added dimension. You know, there's something that brings me to the live experience. And there's some artists that just for whatever reason, they might be able to deliver exactly what the record sounds like, but they don't bring the live experience. Kiss is the live experience. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And you kind of, that's that's why I thought it would be a disservice if I just kind of remastered some of the audio and put that out. You have to see the visuals with it too, because here's the thing. They were back with a vengeance on this tour. They were back to prove that they were still this band that you remembered at the time 20 years ago. So um, it's important to take them both in and it's important to, to watch them both. It's uh it's a cool experience. It's, it's something that takes you back to a time where there really was almost no internet. There was no people arguing in YouTube comments and, and all that stuff. It was just these people reading the news on Kiss Asylum and going to these great shows. I remember those days as well. Speaking of Kiss fans with input, I want to read something to you from Jason Garrow. He says, They should have released a live four from the 1996 to 1997 tour and used some of the Brooklyn Bridge set for that album. It's a total head-scratcher for me as to why this didn't happen, especially when physical albums were still popular at the time. A kissed opportunity, if you will, and I'm going to say that I think we can copyright kissed opportunity. Uh, the, yeah, the podcast, 100%. Cause we, we, you know, but we love Jason Garrow. He's a great guy, huge supporter of the podcast, has been for so long. But let's let's talk about that, how there should have been an Alive for from 96 97 and when should it have been released should have been before psycho circus i think a live four should have been this that's why i called it a live 96 i couldn't call it a live four because you know we have the symphony so i think a live four should have came out it should have came out between december and february december 96 to february 97 you mean just in time for Christmas? I mean, again, it's a head scratcher. How did this not happen? Because this should have been the thing that we were buying for Christmas that year. Exactly. It, it really should have been. And it could have been an amalgamation of those four shows from the Garden in New York City. There had to have been at least 15 songs worth of great performances they could have put out. I mean, yeah, they, they probably wanted to do a double album. But they probably could have produced a single a single CD, a cassette, and a VHS tape, and they could have put that out in time for Christmas, and would have had, um, you know, a nice uh, video tape yeah. slash 
album that you could have owned. And it even could have, I think it would have been a missed opportunity had they even put it out in December of 97. I know the band was still kind of hot off this reunion tour, but I think if they would have put out, if they would have put out the CD in December of 96 and then put out that VHS tape in August of 97, I think both would have helped sell the other one. Mm -hmm. And I think they would have had a bona fide hit on their hands. I think so too. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this. If you look at all of my KISS films, all of them are filling in gaps that were KISSed opportunities. You had The Greatest Show on Earth, which was that theatrical film that never happened. You had Kiss at Midnight, which was that TV special that never happened. One Last Time was about something that was documenting this last tour. Now, we know that there may be something coming out down the line called Kissery put out by Kiss and A&E, but it hasn't come out yet. So One Last Time kind of filled that gap there. And then I put out this uh, this rock and roll over with Kiss Japanese live record that was never put out either. It's just about filling in those gaps that there should have been something that came out. Well, and the oddity of it is, is that you've taken names from things that either the band has said, spoken of, been in the press, or something that would have been planned. Like for example, Kiss at Midnight. Yeah, that was actually going to be what Dressed to Kill was going to be called before it was Dressed to Kill. Amazing, and there's, isn't it? There's actually some articles where there's a Cream Magazine article that's the article name is Kiss at Midnight. Mm-hmm. And I just remember hearing that. And at first, I didn't want to use Kiss in the name. And luckily, I didn't use the Kiss logo. But I didn't want to use Kiss in the name. But this that special couldn't have been called anything else but Kiss at Midnight. It probably would have aired on NBC at midnight. Like, how cool would that have been? It would have been great because they already had that slot from Midnight Special. Midnight so Special. on an off week, instead of a repeat, they could have slid that right in there, let's say around October, because that's the time of year that it seems like you get a lot of cool Kiss content. That and May 25th. I don't know why. <laughs> Other than the fact it's my birthday. And then uh, George Lucas had to put out that art film that he made Star Wars in 1977 yes. on that day. And I wish that film would have taken off, you know, yeah. for an independent film, it didn't really do much. Right. But thank God that they came up with may the fourth be with you because <laughs> it kind of gave me my birthday back. Right. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was kind of neat as opposed to that being Star Wars day. It's now may the fourth has kind of taken the, the, the heat of that. But now we've got a live 96 and I jokingly thought like if kiss would have released a live albums as often as they were releasing album in the seventies, we might actually be up to a live 96 right about now. That's true. That's true. And you know, it, it's funny. A lot of these projects, they start out with different names and then during the editing process, the, the names, they kind of change. Um, one last time was initially called journey of a thousand years. Cause mm-hmm. I love that song from psycho circus. The name of this one actually was Kiss Alive Worldwide. Oh, see, I was thinking it was going to be I Finally Found My Way to You, which is a, your favorite song <laughs> off Psycho Circus. Man, man, go back, listen to that Psycho Circus record and, <laughs> yeah. hear, my, and hear me like lose my mind on that. <laughs> now, what uh, was it called? It was originally called Kiss Alive Worldwide because mm. that was the name of the tour. And I was going to yeah. just cheaply use the image from the front of the tour book to promote it. And I was like, you know what? It's doing a disservice to me and doing a disservice of this project by just simply using something that is already out there. So I, I went I went back and forth. I go, what am I going to call this? I'm like, am I going to call it Kiss Alive and Kickin' or Kiss Alive and Well? And then I just saw something that says Kiss Alive 96. And I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And initially I had the exclamation mark from Alive in there. And it was Alive exclamation mark 96. But I thought the exclamation mark belongs to Kiss Alive. And then yeah. we have a live two, a live three, and then now you have a live ninety six. That this is the this is the alive representation of the reunion tour. You know, I went in, I kind of whittled down the solos and and you know only showed the best stuff for you know the the blood and the the guitar solo and the drum solo, similar to what they did on Kiss Alive two and Kiss Alive. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that this is it was fitting to call it a live ninety six. Well, let's play one more song. You pick. Let's do 100,000 Years.
go. There's another fierce version from Kiss 96, from Alive 96. You wanted the best, you got it. Bring the summer's hottest concert home. Not available on VHS starting <laughs> December 11th. So the hottest... The, 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 so the, the summer's hottest concert in december so it's it's a way to heat up the holidays right well i mean getting getting ready for christmas yeah yeah but here's the thing too that some people don't remember um it was pretty big news at the time but polestar in december 1996 actually named kiss the number one band touring the world at that time so this was this was one of those things that was that was happening at the time. So for me to go back in and say that this is the number one band, this is the number it, it's something that happened back then. And this wasn't some phony baloney hype thing that like sometimes one of the band members is kind of has a reputation of uh, being excessive with hype and it's something that we love about him and sometimes we just roll our eyes, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, this wasn't this wasn't hype. This was everywhere. This was the real deal. It's it's almost on par, like when someone says, "Oh, BTS is as big as the Beatles." But if you look at like actual album sales, because now they've changed the rules that like a stream is the same as a purchase, right? So it, it they've kind of changed the game a bit. But this is before any of that stuff. This was the real deal. Kiss was the number one touring act in 1996 yeah it's it's true so they they beat out uh garth brooks who was um you know top touring artist for many years at that point point. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a huge kiss fan by the way huge kiss fan huge kiss fan there is a rumor that he owns the original dynasty stage i wouldn't i if there's anybody that owns it, it's got to be him. I mean, this guy, this guy just toured recently, and I'm talking within the last maybe two or three years, and played like seven shows here at the Q. Mm-hmm. And that was just he only did seven because the the venue wasn't available due to basketball or something. You know, this this guy is is not hurting for for anything at this point, and um, you know he's done extremely well for himself. Mm-hmm. So if anybody owns it, it's got to be him. Can I tell you a Garth Brooks story? Absolutely. Okay, this is going to sound weird, but my aunt used to call Kiss the Screaming Demons. <laughs> like, she liked Beth, but, you know, my family was a Kiss family, for good or for bad, which meant that my cousin, my brother, me, my mom, my uncle, you would hear Kiss at every gathering, every, you know, if Kiss was on TV, a lot of asses were in the seats, right? That, that sort of a thing. But she only liked, like, some of the things like, uh, you know, tossing and turning she liked and things like that. But she would call Kiss the Screaming Demons all the time. And her favorite artist at one point was Garth Brooks. And we got to go see Garth. And uh, we went as a family, and it was great. And there's all this pyro and explosions, and his drummer goes around upside down. He flew across... You know, like Gene would rise and spit blood. Garth literally flew across the arena to the very end, suspended on wires, singing the entire time. And he's doing flips and stuff like that. And, and you know, he mentioned Kiss during the show. And then he said, I'd like you all to say happy birthday to my mom. She's just recovering from cancer. And I'd like you all to pray for her. She's standing right there. And all of a sudden, the lights hit us, and Garth Brooks' mom was right behind us. And my aunt <laughs> flipped incredible. out. That night, on the way home, I said, so what would you think of the concert? And uh, she said, oh, it was just amazing. What would you think of it? And I said, it was the best Kiss concert I've ne- I-, I ever saw without Kiss there. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand. I- I'll, do you- I'll, do you- I'll do you one better with another Garth Brooks story. Um, I- obviously, you know, I was a diehard fan when the reunion tour happened, but I was aware of kiss before then. But again, because I was a little bit younger mm-hmm. in the early nineties, I didn't know that they took off the makeup or, or whatever. So I remember watching with my mom and my aunt when kiss was on the tonight show with Jay Leno with Garth Brooks, right around the time that kiss my ass came out. So it would have been 94. And I, and I remember um, going, mom, mom, why aren't they wearing makeup? Because I didn't, I didn't understand that, that they had taken the makeup off, and they were just performing unmasked 
in in the early 90s. So I, I didn't I didn't understand. Wow. So but I remember seeing that uh, I remember seeing that performance when it initially happened um, in the early 90s or 94 rather. Fantastic. So you know Garth saw him some some tours. He's part of the numbers that made Kiss the number one touring act that year. So yeah, yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. And he did a great version of Hard Luck Woman, which is you know on that the Kiss My Ass record. And you know maybe back then, and maybe even we're talking for a long time. You know I didn't really enjoy the the Kiss My Ass record, but uh, I've come around to it. There's some cool stuff on it. Hard Luck Woman is cool. Uh, that version of Deuce that Lenny Kravitz did is cool. With Stevie Wonder, come on. Yeah, yeah, there's some cool stuff on that record. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'm a fan, I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. So, we're here in 2020, the year 2020, where we thought we'd see everything clearly and it's been everything, but it's mm-hmm. nice to have something that we can, as Kiss fans, all gather around YouTube together on December 11th and get this place... Hotter than heck. I don't believe in swearing, so I won't say that. Uh, but, you know, but just something that we can all enjoy, and it's not going to cost you a penny. Yeah. And how many things can you say, especially with the KISS logo on it, that, that you can say that about? Even though this does not have the official KISS logo, this is Alive 96. It doesn't. It's, it's almost like it was by design to not include the KISS Imagine logo. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. Even even on the little even on the little promotional poster, the little one sheet that I've been sharing all over Facebook leading up to this release, doesn't even have the KISS logo. It looks like there's just like a splotchy blood looking KISS logo, but never the KISS logo. Right. Hmm. I wonder if that's by design. But a kiss by any other name is still a sweet, and you must remember this, <laughs> a kiss is still a kiss. It's <laughs> a good line. It's a good that's line. That's right. Peter Chris used it, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. What do you want to come of this? What do you want people to take away from this? Well, um, selfishly, I would love the band to contact me to work on a video project with them. I understand that kind of the romanticism of fans working with the band maybe isn't once what it was. You know, Kiss is a heavyweight entity still in 2020, and they could just go and get whoever they want in Hollywood to do whatever they want. They don't need to look to fan circles to to do something. So um, that aside, I just hope that the Kiss army and the Kiss fans, they just enjoy this. I hope that they could take an hour and 20 minutes out of their life, sit back, stream this to their TV or their phone or wherever they want to, where they want to view it and, uh, just get lost in the nostalgia. So, um, yeah, I hope that people just enjoy this. I really do. Fantastic. We want everybody to check it out on YouTube and it'll probably be on Vimeo too, right? On, on December 11th. Yeah. The thing about Vimeo is it's kind of more for content creators. So if you want a little bit higher quality, Head on over to Vimeo to, to look at this. But, uh, you know, the bread and butter is going to be on YouTube. You can't argue the audience that's built in on YouTube. So it'll be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, I hope everybody uh, checks it out December 11th. Make sure you follow my channel, youtube.com slash greatest show on earth fan films. You'll be able to up until you'll be able to go there starting the week of the release. So starting on got to get my calendar out here. Starting on December 7th, which is one week from tomorrow, and this is being recorded. So starting December 7th, you could log onto the page. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow. Make sure you turn on the notifications. You'll be able to wait in line to see it, just like you know you used to from Ticketmaster and Ticketron back in the day. So um, a week before the actual release, you'll be able to see the actual live link. And they'll say this premieres in four days and then three days and two days and tomorrow. So uh, that's something I did with one last time and people seem to really enjoy that. So uh, so make sure you get on early, save yourself a spot, and uh, it is streaming anytime starting December 11th. Fantastic. So check out Alive 96, which is not to be confused by a parallel universe where Kiss recorded an Alive album as fast as they did back in the 70s there there is no alive 96 this is a fan driven thing for fans by fans for you the listener so we want to thank you for listening to your podcast today and sorry we took a couple months off just to keep working on other projects but we are back here we are and uh, glad to have you back on the show thank you for having me and it's and it's good to see the show back and it's good to see the show continuing 
I think this show will continue for a long time because you do take breaks and you do get involved in some different influences and you know, you maybe you want to talk about Cheap Trick or you want to talk about the monkeys for a little bit. I think that's what keeps this show fresh. So, um, but yeah, I mean, go back and listen to all the old episodes. My favorite one is still the solo album radio show that you did. That's just something so cool. And, uh, and, and yeah, so always, into, always uh, you know, keep the podcast on your feed. And just because they're not there every week doesn't mean that they're gone. That's right. The gangs of L.A. will never die. <laughs> the KISS podcast will just multiply. Kiss. Exactly. So exactly. there you go. Seriously, though, uh, you give me a chance to plug myself, which is something I almost never do, seriously. Check out Cheap Talk, which is a show all about Cheap Trick. If you like the podcast, we do the same kind of treatment for the band Cheap Trick. If you like the monkeys, we do a thing called Zilch. It's the same kind of a show. It's If you enjoy what we do here at Podkist about Cheap Trick or the monkeys, you can listen to Cheap Talk or Zilch. Find it wherever podcasts are downloaded or streamed or however you want to listen. But we also do a show called Pop, which is literally anything I want to talk about. And it has been a game show. It's been a look back at cultural history. It's been a look at books, movies, records, did a Pink Floyd album discussion. So if you're into any of that, check it out. Pop with Ken Mills. And it's cool stuff. It really is. Well, thank you, brother. If there's something you'd like to talk about in pop culture, let's do it. Yeah. So we will see you on the next episode of your podcast. Be there on December 11th or be square. Check out Alive 96. For free. For free. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, Ken. Well, we will see you. Thank you for coming on the show. Say see you, Andrew. See you, Andrew. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulik, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, Thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. <laughs>